welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a kid min leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Welcome to today's uh, episode of the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. I'm Sean McKinley, and joining me today is Joy Hensley. Hey, Joy, how are you? I'm doing great. So excited to be here. Yeah, great. Well, we have, uh, this podcast is not new. It's been around for about a year, and we have been sharing some of our favorite training experiences from some of our institutes and one days. Um, But we had a request not too long ago to actually do some live recorded podcasts, maybe on some more current and contemporary issues. And so that's what we're attempting to do. I'm the host today, but in future episodes, Joy will be joining me as the co-host. But today, she is the person being interviewed. (laughs) I thought that we would take an opportunity to get to know Joy a little bit more, Um, I, uh, in preparing for this interview, I told Joy she's one of the people in our movement that I think has made the most, one of the most significant investments at an early age uh, to prepare herself for children's ministry. So I just wanted to uh, let everybody know a little bit about your journey, Joy, and, um, and maybe you can give some advice or direction to those who are serving kids. So thanks again for being here today. No problem. I'm excited. Yeah, well, as we dive in, Joy, why don't you uh, tell those who are listening just a little bit about yourself and the ministry where you serve. Okay. Well, I am a native to the small and wonderful town of Huddleston, Virginia. I moved to Cleveland about nine years ago as a college student, just trying to finish my degree. And I have been here ever since. I got plugged into my local church, Spring Place Church, just as um, a member and also a volunteer. And I also at the time, started working here at the office just as an intern in our children's ministry offices. Um, since then, both of those things have kind of developed. Now I serve as the training specialist here at the office. I also serve at my church as the associate pastor of children. Um, so I have been there now for four years in that position. Um, we are called Spring Place Kids. And our theme and our verse is rooted in Psalm 127, which talks about how children are a blessing from the Lord and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of these arrows. And so we use that arrow as part of our logo and our vision for the kids. We want to instill in them that they are a blessing from God, but also they do have a a mission and a purpose, and that is to be released um, into this world, um, into God's kingdom as well. And so we were really struggling when I first came into that position. We didn't really have a theme or a vision. And so with that, um, as we were praying, we had a baby dedication one week. And my pastor decided to use this passage from Psalms um, 127. And in that, I was sitting and listening, hearing him talking about the arrow. And he, he wasn't really emphasizing the arrow that Sunday, more of the fact that children were a blessing But it occurred to me that it's a very powerful scripture, and it could be something that our people could really grasp onto. 
So we kind of took that as our vision and we put arrows on the walls. We put it in our logo just as a reminder to our kids and to our families that they are a blessing, but also they do have purposes. And it's been something easy and simple that they've been able to catch on to. Um, at the time, arrows were very trendy and popular, so I just knew it would be simple, but easy to grasp from everyone. Sure, and I, I love when I visited your ministry space. Um, your theme is carried out throughout the entire area. It's, mm-hmm. it's beautifully done. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about your church, Joy, is it's not a, a mega congregation. Mm-hmm. It's not huge. Uh, but your church, uh, really, I think, in part due to your leadership and vision, have um, really invested in children's ministry. They recently remodeled uh all of your spaces Mm -hmm. and they're just beautiful and as I said the theme you go down that long hallway and there's all kind of arrows on the wall and so you really have incorporated the theme into even just your decor now let's go ahead and tell people there is a way that they can find out more about your local church ministry and see what you've done and, and how can they do that yeah you can just visit our Facebook page it's public it is called Spring Place Kids and you can go on there. You can kind of see a little bit about what we do, what we're doing right now during the pandemic. You can even see maybe some of the remodeling pictures that we have had over the years. We have done quite a bit. And it is sometimes I have to pinch myself when I realize where we've come as far as like the building and that process. But love to check for you to check it out. We'd love for you to connect with us on yeah, there. It's great. It really is a beautiful facility. And, and uh, kudos to your congregation and your pastor, too, mm-hmm. for, for making that, um, not just having the vision, but they made it a priority uh, of all the needs of your church. And so it's just awesome. Now, uh, we know we are, we're coming through really a difficult time. Uh, we're still coming through it. We're not over the pandemic yes. that we're all experiencing together. And so I wanted, uh, before we move into talking about calling and children's ministry, uh, I wanted you to just maybe encourage people, let them know how you're staying connected with your families during this pandemic. Well, it's honestly changed week to week, month to month. You know, we went back to church, we shut back down. Um, but one of the things I still just wanted to do overall was just provide content Um, And that looked different as we've progressed. So I want to provide content to the kids. So even if that's just a short devotion on Sundays or even at the beginning, we did long, long lessons with worship. Um, I wanted to let them know that, you know, there was still content available, that we still valued what we were doing and that we still wanted them to learn. Um, Also, just engaging with them. So we do midweek Zoom calls every week, the same time we would have our Wednesday night Um, Bible studies, so that way that they can participate. They're not just sitting and watching. Um, Another thing I wanted to do um, was to provide content to families, and that was very important. Um, Also a challenge just because, you know, during the pandemic, you don't know what families do and don't do. They're the ones that are going to help or make their children watch your videos or participate. Um, But I found that really creating experiences that they could have that were simple and easy for them to do was beneficial. Like at Easter, we did take-home communion kits, and they were able to do communion as a family in their home. At Christmas, they had a whole week worth of devotions. Um, Now they were simple. Everything was done and prepped for them. And so I learned kind of over time that the more work I did on my end to prepare them to make it easy, the more that they were willing to do it and participate. And that was awesome to see all of them digging in and and doing these things in their own homes. 
Yeah, so really, uh, again, you were kind of uh, delivering kits, I know, at special times that um, Mm -hmm. parents could do these devotions together. And, you know, I think that's really one of the, uh, early on in the pandemic, people were contacting us. What do we do? How do we do Mm -hmm. it? And uh, I really sensed that this was a great opportunity for God to help us to sort of recenter what we were doing around the family and to engage parents in the formation of their kids. And so I just love you. And I know um, we have another staff member here who's a children's pastor uh, have really embraced those opportunities to uh, equip parents uh, Mm -hmm. to really assume that rightful role as the primary discipler of their kids. And so that that's just awesome. And I know. Um, you do kind of the large scale Zoom calls mm-hmm. with all your kids, um, but also those FaceTime calls yeah. individually. That's just been mm-hmm. awesome to, to hear and to see your connection. Yeah, that's been really special as well. Just being able to check in, especially, you know, when you go at first, you didn't know how long we were going to go, but and you missed your kids. But just being able to talk to them, ask them how school's going, how life is, and, you know, it can be a simple five-minute conversation, but it's meaningful to them and also to their, yeah, their families. And, you know, as you talk, um, it really helps you to um, have some one-on-one time with mm-hmm. all the kids where you, as before, we may have not had that right. in sort of large children's worship settings. And, and I think that that's great. It's really taking your, your ministry to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember... Uh, we used to talk a lot about visitation with kids yeah. in children's ministry, and we, we would usually talk about going to things like their sport activities right. or going to their birthday parties or those sort of mm-hmm. things. We haven't even been able to do those, but you have done in-home visitation thanks to FaceTime. Yeah. And so... I hope that's something we can continue to yeah, after this. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I really wanted us to talk about today is just calling in children's ministry and maybe our personal testimonies of how we got... Uh, involved in this ministry. And I think that um, a lot of local churches sometimes suffer because they don't have people who feel called to children's ministry mm-hmm. leading it. Uh, and so uh, we'll talk uh, in just a minute that I think there are a couple of ways that we are called into ministry. But why don't you tell us just a little bit about how you were called? Yeah, well, from a young age, I've always loved kids. I've always loved playing with them. Um, and I for sure thought that I was going to be a pediatrician when I grew up. Even in eighth grade, um, some of us were given the opportunity to walk to our neighboring high school and take Latin. And I was one <laughs> of the people that thought, yeah, that's me because I'm going to use that in the medical field. And, you know, I probably would be using it in the medical field if I were there today. However, I'm not. Um, but my mom, around the well, time... Well, you know, I have to stop you because <laughs> we only realized in the prep for this podcast that we had this in common. Because I, too, thought I was going to be a pediatrician. And uh, I I even took the test in school, in high school, that they tell you what, you know, your um, sort of like professionally you're leaning toward. Mm-hmm. And mine was pediatrician. And I did a I did a job shadowing thing through actually through Boy Scouts their navigator program where I followed pediatricians. So, Joy, you and I may have followed a different path that the Lord hadn't called us. So we, did. we might have met in a hospital somewhere. <laughs> you know, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Carry on though. Your mom. Um, my mom. I remember I was trying to transition. I was trying to transition. I probably wasn't old enough to youth ministry at the time at my church just because my sibling was in youth ministry all of my friends were there and I felt like I needed to be there however I was not really quite old enough to handle 
what youth ministry had to offer <laughs> at my church. And my mother, and I just found this out um, a few years ago, went to our children's pastor and was like, can you please get Joy to help you to do something? She doesn't really fit in with the youth group. Um, she needs something to do, basically. And that's exactly what our children's pastor did. I started volunteering on Sunday mornings, just helping out, assisting in the classroom, and kind of started to do that. And later on at a fall youth retreat that we were at, um, there was a service one night and the speaker was there and he was talking about calling. And I remember sitting there that night, really identifying with what he was saying. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart and telling me, you know, you are called to children's ministry. This is what I want you and desire for you to do. And that night, he opened the altar for us to come and pray. And I went, and I was praying and talking to the Lord. Um, and I remember getting up, and everyone from my church, all my friends, and my brother, everyone was waiting for me to share what I had been praying for so earnestly in the altar. And I decided none of them needed to know, because <laughs> it was between me and the Lord. <laughs> so I didn't say anything for the longest time. Um, and they kept pushing and questioning me because they knew I had went to the altar for that specific reason. So I finally shared with um, our children's pastor and some of my friends at church, and they were all very excited. Um, so that was a bit of a hurdle I had to overcome just working through my own acceptance and fear of this is what I felt like the Lord was calling me to do. I was 14 at the time, so it was a little bit overwhelming, um, but I began to embrace it, and from then, our children's pastor really began to give me opportunities and mentor me, and I am thankful for that. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I have um, a similar story that I share often. You know, I was, I was 13 years old mm -hmm. uh, when I felt called to children's ministry. I was at youth camp, and I don't remember who the evangelist was, and I don't remember exactly everything that he preached. Mm -hmm. But I do remember at the end, he gave an invitation. He said, it is possible to know God's will for your life mm -hmm. and what his call is. And I don't know, maybe he expected people to really get their callings that night. I don't know. But mm -hmm. he, he encouraged us to come to the altar and seek the Lord. And so I went, and in typical youth camp fashion, I expected to be there for a couple of hours. You know, we like to get in the altar and cry and, and <laughs> rock and all that stuff, back yes. and forth, and get together with our friends and cry. <laughs> but uh, that was not my experience. No I, emotional high, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I just went and simply asked the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And he spoke very clear to me that I was he was calling me to work with children. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I... I, I didn't stay in the altar because I got my answer. And immediately when I went back home, began to make myself available, began to share that calling. Right. I was not like you. I shared it with anybody yeah. who listened. And so I shared the calling and began to pursue um, training in children's ministry mm -hmm. as well as uh, to learn a little bit more about it. And, you know, I think one of the, when we talk about calling, um, a lot of people, um, expect that experience that you and I had, that, right. that we sense that God called us. Yeah. But that's not always the case, is it? No, absolutely not. Um, I think that, uh, you know, in children's ministry, we actually teach that there are three, at least three ways that people are called into ministry. And one is that experience like, like Isaiah had, mm -hmm. you know, that you are 
called from God. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that's the type of experience that I had. But I think that there are also people um, who are mentored into ministry and then they sort of take on the mantle kind of like Elisha mm-hmm. and Elijah. They take on that mantle uh, of ministry uh, from someone else. Um, and then, I, you know, I know there's also the third calling we talk about, which is that Good Samaritan calling where somebody just really sees a need. And, yes. and they like to step up and, and to serve that need. So I think in our churches, we have people who are called in all of those ways. Absolutely. And I think the majority of people I meet, especially in children's ministry within our churches, I feel like they fit into that. They see a need because a lot of times it's the smaller churches. Right. And there's just no one or they say there's no one. Um that was with the kids or there was no one serving so they felt like they had to do something but that is like you said that is a way God is calling and speaking to them by placing that burden in their heart moving them to action yeah and I think we do our our people a real disservice when we don't Mm -hmm. elevate that type of a calling right Um, and a lot of times I think it leads to and you mentioned small church yes Mm -hmm. a lot of our smaller churches that's how people serve and because of that they only really see themselves as a volunteer. And I can remember the days when it was all about your appointment. You know, right. I'm just an appointed volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, that is a very genuine and legitimate calling. Right. Um, and I love, I brought with me, in a minute I'm going to ask you about uh, your books or yes. authors in ministry. But this is a book I've encouraged Joy to read, but I don't think <laughs> I she did had, read oh, it. Oh, you did read it. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the earliest books that I was Uh, given in children's ministries by bill wilson Mm -hmm. he wrote a book called whose child is this and for those who don't know bill wilson you'll have to read the book um but he founded sidewalk the sidewalk sunday school ministry working in the inner cities in new york and his book is just full of testimonies about his experience but i love what he wrote and i brought this knowing we'd be talking about calling he said i believe the need is the call He says, I did not respond to an audible call. I responded to a desperate situation. I do not believe those of you who were pressed into ministry to children because you saw a need are any less called than those of you who had a vision or heard a voice. I don't believe you are any less called than those who were mentored by an anointed minister. Regardless of what has led you to acknowledge that you are a minister to children, this calling out is a work of God in your life. Absolutely. And that reminds me, too, it just occurred to me, I love the story of Nehemiah mm. in the Bible when mm-hmm. he saw the need, and it really it caused him to have an emotional reaction. He, you know, he was weeping and crying, but it also um, allowed him to step up into that leadership role, and God gave him vision and favor with the people, and he led them well. Right, right. And I've, I've been doing, uh, for my studies, I've been doing uh, a lot of research on calling. Mm-hmm. And one of the figures that I keep, Nehemiah is kind of like, uh, you know, he's right up there when you're talking about management, leadership, yeah. uh, calling. He's right up there with guys like Moses, right? You know, but uh, I've really been looking at Paul. And Paul uh, talked about his calling a lot. And um, in particular in Galatians 1 and 1, he kept coming back to his calling, not being of his choosing, but mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. And so to people who are listening, I hope that they will lean into that understanding of calling. It doesn't look the same for everybody. Right. Um, but we have to have an assurance of that calling and understand why God has led us where he's led us and what he wants us to do. And, and our calling, I think, is very unique. 
uh, in children's ministry. It's not an easy calling. It's a lot of work mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of responsibility. But, um, you know, I encourage those who are listening who've never really thought about themselves as being called to really consider how did they get placed in this ministry and, and really to embrace that. Um, so, so Joy, who, who, as you think about your calling and where you are in ministry today, who are some of those influences that contributed to who you are? Yeah, well, the first person that comes to mind, I have to give credit to the children's pastor that my mother approached, and her name is Stephanie Cheek. And Stephanie really embraced me. Um, not only did she plug me in on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I spent a lot of time at her house. She mentored me. We would do Bible studies together. We would have prayer time together. We had, at one point, we had a traveling children's ministry team. We would do different camps. So I would help her write that, and I would help her um, lead the kids that were on the team. She really just kind of let me be her assistant in a lot of ways, Um, but it was definitely a mentoring relationship. You know, I I was in her home a lot. I basically lived there um, some of the time. I'm sure my parents wondered if I was ever going to come home, (laughs) but she really did teach me and train me, um, and I'm very thankful for her. Um, Also is Kathy Creasy, and I met Kathy when I was probably 16 years old. We went to a local children's ministry training in which she came, and I was just automatically, you know, when you first feel like you're called to children's ministry and then you meet this person who has done it for so long, um, I was just blown away by her. Um, She was a a strong woman in ministry, and I, you know, you see that, but you don't really see it all the time. And so I really just respected and admired the way she led, the excellence and her intelligence and what she brought to the table. Um, another person that I have been influenced by is Lance Kolkmeyer. And Lance and I randomly met on a trip to Cambodia one summer when I was at Lee. His church group was going and... We began to talk about children's ministry and kind of had some mutual connections, and he invited me to come to his camp where he and his church, they minister to children who were in the foster care system. And from getting to know Lance better, I saw his pastoral heart and the way he cares for children. And also, you know, he's very quiet-spirited and humble, and I just really admired his pure and gentle heart Mm -hmm. that he had. And finally, um, you may laugh at me for this one, but I've always just loved and adored Mother Teresa. I don't know what it is about her, her sweet little wrinkly face, (laughs) but I've just admired her commitment and love for children and for people. And, you know, when I think about calling and, you know, how I want to live sacrificially, I think about her and the, the sacrifices she's made and, you know, the pain that even she's went through, but it's all been, you know, for the glory of God. Sure. Sure. What about you? Do you have any significant influences in your ministry? Uh, you know, I have a couple that, that come to mind, and I've always credited. Um, it was only recently that I began to really realize the role my mother played in my, my ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I often would credit other people. But then I have to remember one of my earliest influences was my mom, mm-hmm. who out of necessity was our children's minister. And um, God brought people into the congregation when I was just a child that I attended that really, uh, because we had a children's ministry, they had a vision for enlarging it. And so in a short time, our little church began a bus ministry. Lots of kids began coming. And my mom actually 
pulled me in out of necessity. Mm-hmm. She needed extra hands, and I was often the, the prop for us, or an actor in the skit, a prop for an object <laughs> lesson or whatever. Uh, we have pictures of me and mom serving together. So I think my earliest influence really was my mother. Um, there are other people. Um, my fir- first children's pastor, when I identified my calling uh, that came alongside of me, her name was Vicki Tucker. Uh, I think about Joyce Phillips, who was a child evangelist that would come and do kids' crusades at our church. And then you mentioned, uh, of course, my predecessor now in my role, Kathy Creasy, uh, who was uh, really a mentor and in many ways a spiritual mother to me. Um, You know, as I think about those influences for me, every one of them kind of have the same undercurrent in that Mm -hmm. they gave me opportunities to serve. And so in many ways... Um, what I do is, it's it's cliche, it's old, I know, but I'm standing on their shoulders because they invested in me and released me to do ministry. And I think that's that's so important. You know, if you're a children's minister listening out there and you maybe, again, you're you're that either that small church that you maybe have one or two teenagers mm-hmm. who are serving in your church or you're in that big mega church with a, with a whole team. Uh, I think investing in those who are around you, but giving them those opportunities to serve. And um, not just those opportunities, but some of those people gave me criticisms at times. Yeah. Other times they praised me, but giving that that feedback um, has really helped develop who I am as a children's minister. Um, you know, Joy, I want to ask you, though, um, you know, what is it that you really love about serving in children's ministry? Uh, that's a great question. Honestly, for me, my favorite thing would just be the relationships. Um, The relationships I get to have with the kids, but also their families. Um, I really just embraced, and maybe it's because I've been here for nine years at my church, but I feel like I am part of a lot of these people's families. Just in getting to spend time with them and being part of their lives. You know, I'm the one they they send me a picture of their, their kids' tests that they took at school or... You know, I'll get a random Facebook call, not Facebook call, um, random FaceTime call. And so just being present and being able to be part of their family and just having a voice of influence because of that relationship. That's probably my favorite thing. What's yours? Uh, Well, you know, I used to say my favorite thing was uh, prayer time in children's church because you get all the good gossip and dirt (laughs) on families. But that's just a joke, everyone. (laughs) Although you do... You do find out a lot about what's happening in the homes of your church in uh, during prayer time in children's church. But, you know, I think for me, it's always been, um, you know, children's ministry can be so foundational mm-hmm. for yeah. not just the child, but your church. I, I, it's building a strong, strong future for your congregations while you are so blessed to be a part of leading kids to Christ, discipling them. Uh, being there, you know, one some one of my treasures is probably the the photo album of mm-hmm. just kids that I've ministered to throughout the years. And now, I don't think you're at this point yet, Joy. But I'm now where I'm seeing some of those kids have children of their own, yeah. and and um, really just even praying, God, I hope that some seed I planted is bearing fruit for the next generation. And so it's just an awesome ministry to be a part of. But you know, it also has challenges. And so I'm going to ask you in just a minute to share maybe some of your greatest challenges in ministry to children for for mine. And it really goes back to the beginning of my calling. Um, And this isn't true in in every church in particular, but in several movements like ours, 
children's ministry is often a a women's ministry. Mm-hmm. It's it's ran by women. Mm-hmm. So very early on, it, actually, when I went back, I maybe should have kept my calling to myself for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but when I vocalized that I felt called to work with children, I immediately mm-hmm. got resistance from some of the men in leadership in my church that this is a ministry that children respond better to women is what they would say. And so uh, that has been a battle, uh, you know, for much of my ministry. Uh, But I'm thankful that I had some wonderful pastors who uh, supported me, saw the value of ministry, and and were happy to have someone who felt called to this ministry. So that's probably been, if I were being honest, my greatest challenge. How about you? Yeah, I think, and I'm guilty of it in my own personal life, too, um, a lot of times I have a tendency to look around and just kind of see what everyone else is doing or what they're not doing. And for me, that has been a, probably my greatest challenge just in comparing myself maybe to other ministries in the church or um, what they are or are not doing. And as we know, children's ministry, you know, there's a lot to do. And we offer ministry every time the doors open. Sometimes it can just be very frustrating um, because you just see how much work you feel like you're putting out and you just kind of get lonely sometimes in that, that you feel isolated. And so that's just been a challenge of just staying focused and um, just following that vision and trusting the calling that God has for you and just walking in that confidently. Yeah. Comparison can be a killer to any ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think we do battle that in children's ministry. A lot of times we don't feel like we get the um, appreciation or the attention that other ministries get, that we're not as valued. And I think that that really is just something the enemy uses against us. And you and I talked in preparation for this that, um, you know, something that we both had had, um, battled at times was isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, so many times we're in the basement of the church or we're in a back fellowship hall somewhere. And, uh, and sometimes we're just all alone. Right. And, uh, you know, I would encourage if a pastor is listening or, or someone in leadership to realize that isolation is a real challenge for ch- those mm-hmm. of us in children's ministry and to make efforts mm-hmm. um, to encourage their pastors. I, I will tell you, um, one of one of my former pastors, uh, I'm not in a full time ministry in even as a volunteer in my local church right now, mm-hmm. although I am a volunteer, it's not every Sunday. Right. Uh, but a couple of years ago, my wife and I were preschool pastors, and one of the things that made a difference for us was every Sunday the pastor came to our room, our ministry area, and just greeted us and said, hello, thank you for what you're doing. And that, that stood out in my mind yeah. in the sort of, if I were to line up all my pastors, that that pastor took the time to come by every Sunday and to thank me. And so uh, isolation is a real challenge sometimes yeah. for us. And I do just want to encourage everyone, like, you can take initiative in that. I know it's hard, especially when you're with the kids, like Sean just mentioned, because a lot of times you get out of church and everyone's gone and you're the last car in the parking lot. But invest in those relationships in the church, connect with people in the church, outside of church. Um, that way you don't feel as isolated mm-hmm. um, and you're still building relationships. Um, don't just stay confined to your little right. back room right. or your or your hallway that you're in. Right, sure. Well, we're going to uh, quickly wrap it up here, but I just want to kind of rapid fire hit some questions at you, Joy. Perfect. Um, so I mentioned earlier one of my, uh, the books that was very formative to my ministry was 
Whose Child Is This by Bill Wilson. Mm-hmm. So maybe what are some books or authors that have shaped your ministry or something that you are currently reading? Okay. Well, I immediately thought of listening to children on the spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and that is by Catherine Stonehouse and Scotty May. We love Scotty May. I don't know. We? <laughs> and I just I remember reading this book in college for the first time, and it just I gravitated towards it because right. I just love the idea of spirituality in general, and I love the concept of children being spiritual beings and that they do have um, those divine capabilities just like any person would, that they can respond to God and hear from God. This book kind of digs into that and how we can help kids and families embrace that. So love that book. Recommend it. Um, Currently reading, though, it's not a children's ministry book. I'm reading Talk Like Ted. Not that I intend on ever doing a TED Talk one day. Um, Probably not. But it has provided some good communication skills. Um, You know, if you're a children's minister, we all communicate with kids and adults. And, you know, sometimes we get to speak in front of our church. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone listening. Well, there's kind of the old saying that leaders are readers. Mm -hmm. And so we should constantly be improving ourselves investing ourselves I think by reading so those are great recommendations and we'll we'll list these two books we've our three books we've mentioned on the show notes for this podcast if you're interested in checking those out you can visit the website um, so joy uh, another thing I wanted to just mention is that you are currently pursuing licensure with yes. our organization the Church of God of Prophecy and so um, I wonder why are you doing that or <laughs> do you see value in pursuing credentialing because I so often I'm a licensed minister in the church, and I so often will encourage our children's ministry people to pursue it, but they don't see the value in it. So why are you doing this? Yeah, well, I was one of those people. (laughs) Just to be honest with you, I never felt like I needed a title or a piece of paper um, to affirm my calling. However, I do think it brings value to what you do in ministry and as a minister, and I'm thankful for my pastor and the people in my church who affirmed that in me and have encouraged me to go that way. But really, one for me, one of the main reasons why I wanted to pursue that was just so I could be an active participant in the life of the kids and the families that I serve. Um, for example, this summer, I was able to baptize some of our children at church and that's just something I wouldn't have been able to do in our organization without that backing. And, you know, I look forward to maybe one day being able to marry them or, you know, participate in some of those significant milestones with them because of that. Sure. And we may have people who are listening who are not a part of our organization, but for Mm -hmm. those who are, I just want to mention, I actually went back and looked at, at, um, sort of our, our policies for the church Mm -hmm. and, um, we actually identify that both preaching and teaching the word are part of those pastoral responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And we actually encourage those who are part of that ministry to be licensed with a minister's license. And so, um, you know, I think in children's church, we do a little bit of both. And I'll be honest, uh, you know, we re- uh, we report monthly our activities uh, of what we do for, uh, as uh, accountability, which is another important aspect of mm-hmm. credentialing. Um, but, you know, when I teach my four- and five-year-olds on Sunday, I'm preaching a sermon to them. I count that as preaching right. uh, the Word. And so I don't think we need to discredit what we're doing as just uh, sometimes in, particularly in, in Pentecostal circles, we like to say teaching is not the equivalent of mm-hmm. preaching and vice versa. So, But if you're presenting the Word of God to children, particularly in a worship setting, 
um, I believe that's preaching Absolutely. and teaching. So uh, I, I encourage people, if you really feel a call to children's ministry, to talk to your pastor about that credentialing process. So, Joy, tell us as we wrap up some of the projects that you're working on right now for International Children's Ministries. Okay, well, one of the projects that I have been most excited about and that I'm almost done with <laughs> is called Foundations for Kids, and it is a set of cards that have questions and answers. And all of these cards have to do with biblical and theological truths. Um, for example, one of them is on understanding God. So, just Understanding the character of God, what the Trinity is, each member of the Trinity. Um, I just remember growing up and a lot of the things I learned, not that they were incorrect, but I remember as I got older and I started to learn things, maybe in college or other places, realizing that, you know, wow, I didn't really know some of these foundational things. So we're excited about this because it's just a simple way that we can help kids learn and memorize simple truths that hopefully they can look back on and say, hey, I learned that the right way yeah. when I was younger. And the cards really are not just discussion. They're not just for memorization, but they can mm-hmm. even be discussion starters in the home or, you know, we encourage maybe before uh, as kids are arriving, you can review these cards with them. And one of the things we we went back and did early on was add scriptural references for mm-hmm. every truth that kids are learning. So they know, you know, I know growing up, a lot of times I was told because the church says so right. or the church teaches, but all of these have a connection back to the yeah. word of God. It's like you're, you can prove it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, we have that. Um, we're still, we have people working on impact, which we now call our children's ministry certification program. So I work with those individuals who complete their assignments. Um, This year we've also, or last year, we've also produced our Membership Matters for Kids lessons, which are available online, and also our COVID resources that help you go back to church, hopefully the right way. (laughs) We're all still learning and adjusting. That's some of the things we've been working on. And, of course, we have some new and upcoming courses and trainings that we're working towards sure. as well. And one of the so. things that Joy recently did that you can still access on the website was a series, um, just a blog series on children and Holy Spirit baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helping us to realize that children can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to understand um, what the Bible says about it and um, how to present the Holy Spirit to children and how to invite them to receive this gift. So uh, you've done a lot of work this year, even though it's been a, it's been a strange year. So, strange for sure. Yeah, Joy has done a lot of great work and we're so thankful for her partnership and work here in the ministry. So Joy, as we conclude, um, just a question, thinking down the road, th- maybe 30 years or so down the road, you're still young, you've got plenty of years ahead of you. 30 years, I'll be getting old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll need your help remembering your name in 30 years, yeah. I'll be that old. So Joy, but what is it that you really hope people say about your ministry down the road? Um, I would probably just, there's two things that come to mind. One of them would be that I was a person of integrity and that I taught faithfully. So I taught scripture faithfully. I taught other people faithfully. Um, I was just faithful to the ministry that God had called me to, um, that I was honest in the way I taught. Um, I think that's what's most important to me. And the thing I worry about the most sometimes is that I'm teaching truth and, Theologically and biblically, I want to make sure I'm not 
you know, teaching anything incorrectly. So I hope I can look back with confidence knowing that I did the best I could in those senses. Sure. You know, Joy, I have one more question for you. Okay. Uh, And I meant to ask you this earlier, but as as I said at the very beginning, and those were all excellent thoughts, as I mentioned earlier, you are uh, someone that has really invested time, money, and resources into developing into a a children's minister. And those who are listening might not know, because I didn't share your very impressive bio, that you have, uh, you studied children's ministry in college, actually. Um, There aren't many schools that offer that, but Lee University, where you attended, you were able to take a... uh, to pursue a degree in children's ministry, and then you you went on with your master's degree in, um, is it church ministries? In ministry studies, Ministry yeah. studies. And so um, I guess, uh, why did you decide to do that, and how do you think that it's maybe prepared you for what you're doing? Yeah, well, to be honest, when I first started, I went the education route just because... I mean, who gets a degree in children's ministry? Like, where are you going to get a a job for that? But as I was in the program, and I enjoyed my education classes, and they all have benefited me in my children's ministry journey, but I honestly just kept feeling a pull um, back to that program, knowing that this was the life that I wanted. I wanted to do ministry, and I didn't want to be in a school setting, per se, day in and day out. So I I just couldn't escape it, I guess you could say. Um, So I switched over and, you know, began taking those classes and just investing. And I'm very, very thankful for that, just because I feel like that opened my eyes, not only just to the training and the simple things that we even sometimes teach here through children's ministries, but also like just the theological and different understandings that I gained in the university, in the institution, um, just being challenged in that way. And I think that's really shaped me into the children's minister I am today. I value stuff like theology probably more so than I would have if I wouldn't right. had gone to university. Yeah. yeah. So. And I think that it's that's an important note to end on because I think if you feel called to, to ministry, any ministry, mm-hmm. Um, you should keep growing in your knowledge, in your skill, in your understanding. You know, we're uh, continuing, uh, you and I and, and those around us, we continue to seek out even new understanding, new knowledge, uh, so that we can grow into those ministers. I think that, you know, when I was called into ministry, um, I, was, I was still in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> But I immediately, one of the things, uh, the name I mentioned earlier, my children's pastor, Vicki Tucker, gave me my very first book in children's ministry, which is, I think, one of the best still. It was called Children's Ministry That Works, Mm -hmm. uh, that covered every aspect of children's ministry. I read that book backwards and forwards and many times. uh, And I pursued the certification program through International Children's Ministries. And so uh, if you feel called to ministry, I think it's important that you invest. You may not go to college because that may not be the path for you to study uh, bachelor's in children's ministry and you may not have that opportunity but there are opportunities around you free trainings that you can be a part of mm-hmm. and you can find out more about those on the children's ministry website um, as well as just online so Absolutely. joy thank you for your time today yeah i was so happy to be here and to do this we learned a lot about each other even <laughs> though we worked together for years who knew we missed our opportunity to be pediatricians I right know. so mckinley and hensley doctor's office yeah we could have had 
had a, we could have had our own practice. Who knows? Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Those of you who are listening to this podcast, we look forward to more future conversations together. You can find out more about um, our past podcasts or those that are coming up as well as download our show notes at our website, which is cogop.org slash children. This podcast is available on Apple iTunes in the Google Store, as well as Spotify and Amazon. So please subscribe and share this podcast with those who might find it interesting. We look forward to connecting with you next time, where we'll continue our conversation about calling and ministry. for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.